This is the show where we pair the perfect beverage with the events in our lives. This is Let's Drink About It. You're listening to Let's Drink About It, a podcast where you proceed from the premise that every life event has a perfect cocktail pairing. I'm your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. And I'm your host, Chris Bowman. And our lovely and talented guest this week is Guy Branham, Guy comedian, Branham. Uh, podcaster, writer, pisser off of Hillary Clinton, <laughs> uh, and uh, many other things. I'm sh- uh, and and here to promote his his new album, Effable, which uh, I'm very excited about. Uh, any any time you can get a double entendre <laughs> in an album name, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm quite proud. I'm quite proud. April 14th. Buy it on iTunes. Do you awesome. feel that you're easy to sum up? Because I think that, I mean, that's sort of what effable means, right? <laughs> oh, well, um, like, I think that comedy should be about trying to sort of like put, like, I just feel like comedy for me is about trying to figure out how to explain myself to people. <laughs> um, and so in many ways, I am seeking effability. Oh, wow. So it's an aspirational title. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> There were some, uh, there's some handsome gentlemen on, on the, uh, on the cover lounging poolside while you, uh, take a headlong dive into probably, <laughs> probably like a backyard pool from yes. the look of it. It wasn't, it wasn't the best like Hollywood Hills pool that I really thought I would be able, I thought I could pull some strings and get like a high quality, like, like an infinity pool, a director's pool. This, I want, this I, was a pretty sweet pool. Like it was fine. Don't sell it short guys. by LA standards, <laughs> uh, but like it was sure. not the kind of pool that A-list directors use right. to coax, um, you know, <laughs> naive young boys and girls to come to their home. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a, wasn't there like, wasn't there a big report about how the like casting couch is still like a really big deal in, in New York theater. Like there's still like tons of sexual harassment being done. I actually didn't pay attention to that because <laughs> I tend to focus only on acting jobs that make people real money. So. <laughs> I did. I, you're, you're right, Ben. I did see uh, something to do with like the last place, like the last uh, frontier of uh, sexual abuse is in right. the workplace is the uh, is theater. Yeah. Well, well, it's like it's so hard because it is so subjective. It's not like you can say, but look at how well I did on my annual report. If you're in the chorus of Cinderella. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, man, like kind of, uh, miserable to think about suffering that much for so little money. Right. Yeah. Well, in comedy, it's weird. Cause like you have this weird, like there's almost like this weird mentorship system of like girls dating more successful comedians Yeah. to sort of like learn the way. But the thing is, is everyone I talk to is just like, yeah, well at the beginning of comedy, who are you going to get a crush on? But the guys who are good at what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like sweating your professor in uh, when you're taking a sociology class in college. Yes, it's all, it's all about the confidence, right? Somebody who believes in what they're doing. It's like very attractive. That's what I'm going for. That's yeah. Chris. That's really been the thing that I was like, <laughs> I'll corner that if I can't take care of other quadrants. Uh, well, coming. I mean, uh, I don't think it's a secret that you're a gay gentleman. Did you have an experience like that coming up in comedy, where there there was some older mentor type name dating mo- relationship name a more established gay male comedian <laughs> name someone uh, okay i'm stumped <laughs> there like there really wasn't there's a couple that i i feel like people like suspect but i, I mean they're closeted dudes 
yeah, but I never would have done that. And right. he wouldn't have been interested in me. There's one guy in San Francisco who's like, um, he's famous in England because you can't be a famous gay male comedian here. <laughs> um, and he's like locally famous in San Francisco. And he like never paid attention to me at all. Just willowy straight boys he would uh-huh. mentor. And then I asked one of the other gay comics, because there's like a rich scene there in right. a way that there isn't in the rest of the country. Um, and I was like, and so every time like a new good gay comic would come out, I would, would come out of San Francisco. I'd be like, Hey, did like Scott ever like help you along or anything? And it was like, no, no. And then it was finally like, <laughs> yeah, first time I met Scott, he stuck, stuck his hand down my pants. And then <laughs> I said, no. And then he's taken me on the road with him ever since. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's, that's how Scott works. Right. Uh, well, that's, uh, <laughs> Um, I was thinking about, uh, I was out for drinks last night with, uh, a gay friend of mine and he announced to me when I sat down to the, to the table at the bar that he'd gone straight and just like, like ran that joke for the whole evening. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we all like tried to yes and, but it was like, it was a little like, it was a little madcap at certain points. And, uh, just, just like, um. I don't know. Like, it's it's a it's it's fun to yes and, but then I was like, really thinking about the fact that like when you are a straight white cis dude, like you have so much handed to you, and like just one, changing one of those variables, like your shit drops off like dramatically, hmm. and it was like. <laughs> Like it was fun to joke about, but it also like made me kind of sad and feel <laughs> shitty. <laughs> That's sweet. That's very sweet. Well, I mean, the terrible thing about being gay, being a gay white man, uh, is like you really can. There's always that temptation of like, why don't you just pretend? Right. And like, I think black people so frequently in America, their response to gay white men is, why don't you just pretend? If I could pretend, I would. Right. But it's also like pretending is just like soul death is a kind of death yeah. soul death is a kind of death and it also doesn't stop people from locating us and tying us to fences yeah 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 in and uh they they definitely like want to want to find people like so that they can take them to camps and re re-educate them and stuff yeah like it's it's weird how much other people like that my third grade class solidly identified my homosexuality before wow. anyone else. <laughs> did you did did you know that they had like did you know what they had identified or were you kind of had you not kind of puzzled through it? Oh, I like I had no idea at that time. I don't think I really thought about the fact that they were calling me gay. Um, like I just knew that it was bad and embarrassing and it freaked my parents out. Right. But like I certainly didn't think it was true. Even when I realized that the thing that made my dick work was dudes, I didn't <laughs> think I was gay. Gay people are the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they never get picked first for sports. Um, the last thing I wanted was to get picked first for sports. <laughs> uh, so tiresome. Well, tell us about the album. Like, how do, how do people find it? What's the, what's the skinny? So, um, well, it is my album. That is pretty fat. Um, 
in both senses. P H A T and <laughs> yes, because for those of you listening at home, I am myself fat. Um, but uh, I did not mean to it's all fun. right, Brandon. I'm making fun. It's Ben, but Ben, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't Benjamin, your name is Benjamin Harrison. Yeah. Did your parents think about the like implications of that? Yeah, it's a family name. So. Oh, yeah. are you related to that Benjamin Harrison? I think I don't know. I get conflicting stories about that. I have to hit the ancestry.com. Totally. And Family tree. Find it out. That would be real fancy. Chris, are you related to any prime ministers? <laughs> no. No, my family's from Scotland. Just a bunch of savages. But yes, but every politician is from Scotland. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Sir John A. Macdonald. Yet, uh, you, know, that, you know about Canada, don't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, we're not related to uh, uh, any, any prime ministers that I'm aware of. Um, so... W- F- before we started, we established that Chris is going to ask me f- five questions. I, I don't even know if I could honestly. Th- I think of five questions related to Canadian history. I'm a pretty much of a, a pretty much a dunce. You're yeah. gonna make it happen. I believe in you. But the album. So the album yeah. um, is on a special thing records, which if you are a comedy nerd means it's respectable, but to everyone else means nothing. Um, and it's just. Like, you know, a, a lot of material, everyone, every comedian who does an album is pretty much, oh, this is an hour of stuff that I had lying around and I thought I would put it together. But I didn't really want to do that. I sort of wanted to take the opportunity to, because you have bits and you have bits at work and right. so frequently you're just performing for like seven minutes or 15 minutes in front of people. And so... Which doesn't necessarily make for... Like, if you put four of those 15 minutes together, it's not necessarily a good hour of comedy. Right. Even if it's 15 minutes that destroy in the right room. So I I did, like, put together some stuff that sort of, like, was wouldn't work everywhere and sort of requires you to know and understand me a little bit better to be able to, to get to it. And I, I had a great time. It was really fun. Um, That's awesome. I did it in the back of a comic book shop in Los Angeles. Oh. And it was one of the loveliest experiences I've ever had. And at one point in time, I, like, I was like, because it's weird when it's an audience full of people who showed up to see me. Yeah. Because that's not a normal comedy audience. That's right. a lot more ladies and a lot more gay guys and that sort of thing. And then yeah. there were like straight guys who I didn't know there. And I was really like, what are you doing here? What, what did you misunderstand about this? Like everyone will have a good time listening to the album, but I, it's one of those things of, as you're saying, sort of like one of the hits you take when you're not a white cis like heterosexual man is just sort of that but i don't matter to anyone but my own little sect so (laughs) why would regular people ever pay attention to me right which it's like it it, it like encourages you not to attempt to cross over because you do have like this warm embrace from one group and that's pretty comfortable to be fair the warm embrace of a group that I get is from heterosexual women and some <laughs> lesbians. Mm-hmm. Gay guys can gay gay guys can be pretty bitchy and chilly to each other. Also, we don't really go to stand up. Like uh, huh. gay guys like like Kathy Griffin and Margaret Show, but like they or drag queens. But they're not. They're kind of uncomfortable watching uh, another gay guy tell jokes. They're a little bit right. like, "Who the fuck do you think you are?" Really? <laughs> if, really? Yeah. That's that's surprising. Like you're you're speaking for all gay men at this point. Well, I do have ambassadorial status. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking for all gay men. I'm just observing the trend. He did have his diplomatic papers with him when he came up. Anyway. I mean, th- Chris, this is just my observation. Sure. Um, sure. But I think part of it is that we're just not used to seeing ourselves, like, talk about our personal lives. Like, we're, mm-hmm. 
you know, we're there to help the main girl in the romantic comedy find her way along. <laughs> and I do say that as someone who has played that guy in a romantic comedy. <laughs> um, so it, it can be a little bit weird to have somebody like talking about that stuff. And, you know, I, as time goes on, cause like I've been doing stand up for a while and as time goes on, gay guys have gotten a lot better about being really enthusiastic and hungry for that. Yeah. Among other things. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you find, um, like, do you have like different sets of material based on the room or do you just go, because I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about, uh, like we first met at, um, the boat party.biz and you killed that room, you know, you killed oh, thank that room. You. Well, you did. I mean, it's just the truth, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so when you have like a let's I, uh, say a mainly gay audience or a, a straight audience, I mean, do you uh, diverge from material at all? Or, I mean, for me, it's more just sort of like how much is this audience going to be able to take? Because like the people at Bow Party were all like cool and smart, and so when you're in that room, you can throw a lot of stuff at them, and it's going to be great. If it's cause the reason I was late tonight was because I was doing this stupid show I forgot I had booked myself for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like there were a bunch of old guides there and it was like, okay, they come from a world where I'm a crime. So <laughs> right. maybe right. I, just starting to wrap their head around you <laughs> being a threat to their marriage. Exactly. <laughs> so be a little more gentle. And then the other thing of when you're like a, when, the gay guys who are like stand up stand ups, like me or Solomon Giorgio or, Adomian, you're usually performing for mostly straight audiences that maybe have like mm-hmm. one or two gay people in them. Right. And sometimes I'll perform for a majority gay audience and I'll realize like, oh God, I have too many jokes that like rest on the premise that my existence is novel. Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. You know, <laughs> yep. um, and like I have this one bit that is hilarious to straight people. But if you, if I say it to gay guys, it's just like, yeah, so <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> um, and like, that's embarrassing. I, like I always very much believed some gay comics are like, I don't want to perform for gay rooms because the people who do that are hacks who can't perform anywhere else, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, Majority. That's like, probably kind of true of most minority comics that they mm. don't want to be too. Right. I mean, unless unless they really embrace it, which is sort of what we were talking about earlier. Like that, either you like live in that in that warm embrace, or you like go super hard in the opposite direction. Yeah, and but I I very much feel like I should have. Why am I doing this if I don't have those jokes? that are about my life that are close enough that they should be for gay people. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I always, I always should have that material. Well, uh, I'm a big fan and I hope, uh, our listeners go out and pick up the record and we'll talk about it more, but I think we should get into the life events. Let's do it. Starting with you, Ben, what's happening? I, uh, spent the day the other day just fucking destroying my to-do list. <laughs> cool. Ticking shit off. Cool. Ticking boxes. Uh, how about so you? satisfying. <laughs> how about you, guys? What's your, uh, what's your life event? My life event is moving from Los Angeles to New York for five months. Wow. Uh, that is the opposite of something I'm going to have to do pretty soon. <laughs> uh, Are you going to L.A.? Uh, eventually. And probably a little bit longer than five months. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll Uh-oh. talk about it. Uh oh! Wait a second. Chris, how about you? Uh, I uh, I've decided to get organized. Organizing my life a little. We have kind of similar life events this week. I feel like. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we yeah. do. 
I guess we do. All right, well, let's get to the drinks. Guy, you are going to be drinking an Algonquin cocktail. This is an ounce and a half of rye whiskey, uh, three-quarter ounces of dry vermouth, and three-quarter ounces of unsweetened pineapple juice. Um, It's going to be stirred with ice uh, because... uh, Pineapple juice foams when you shake it, and this is not a drink you want foamed up on top. So, stirred with ice, strained into a chilled cocktail glass, and garnished with a cherry. That sounds fascinating, (laughs) and like so from the twenties. Yeah, like yeah, it's like from the Algonquin Round Table. Like (laughs) I work across the street from the Algonquin Hotel. Oh yeah, yes. Have you uh, have you rounded any of the tables? I haven't. I'm scared (laughs) that Edna Ferber is still there. I bet they serve this drink there. I mean, they'd be nuts not to. Except for the fact that it is so clearly a reflection of, we just got this newfangled pineapple juice. What should we do with it? Mix it with a dark liquor and a bunch of vermouth. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes classics are classics, and sometimes they should be left to history. So I'm we'll really see excited. with this one. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, ben, you're going to be drinking something called Ready Fire Aim. Uh, it's a, an ounce and three quarters of mezcal, an ounce of honey pineapple syrup, uh, three quarter ounces of pineapple juice, half ounce of lime juice, and three dashes of Hellfire Bitters. Um, you're going to add all ingredients to a shaker and fill with ice. Shake and strain into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a grind of pink peppercorn. I had a hell of a time finding pink peppercorn today, guys. That really? sounds wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, we'll trade sips, I promise. Um, we both have pineapple. Uh, Chris, for you, <laughs> blood and sand. Three quarter, <laughs> three quarter ounces of scotch, three quarter ounces of cherry hearing, three quarter ounces of sweet vermouth, and three quarter ounces of fle- fresh blood orange juice. Uh, you're going to combine the ingredients in an ice-filled cocktail shaker and shake until well chilled and strain into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a flamed peel from the blood orange. Man, I have almost pulled the trigger on this drink for you for about two months. I've oh, been, man. It, it, it's come across... I figured uh, it was good for getting organized because it's equal parts of everything. Yeah, no, it's great. It's perfect. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, yeah. I was uh, looking at scotch um, uh, today and uh, remembered that uh, I was given and my father was given by my ex-girlfriend's stepfather... Bought these bottles of scotch. 17-year-old Glenn Goyne. Oh, my scotch. God. There are people committing ritual suicide <laughs> listening to you talk about how you're about to pour that into No, no. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I knew... No, no. I could not do it. I looked it up, and I knew it was a good scotch, and yeah. I looked it up, and it's it's like a $180 <laughs> bottle of scotch, or like 150 It's like 99 pounds. That's, you know, that's how much it costs in the UK. So whatever the oh, conversion man. is, like 150 and up. Yeah. You and, do the math, homeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we can't be by. But, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I left that alone. That's not. That's going to be saved, you know, for uh, for another time and uh, on its own. No mix. Sounds good. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go make these bad boys. Let's do it. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Pleasure to be drinking with you. What do you think, guy? This is so much better than I thought it would be. Really? Yeah. It's like subtle and like the vermouth is getting a chance to do all sorts of work that we don't let vermouth do these days. Yeah. Well, it, vermouth is, is a bad taste if it's the only taste, but it as a supporting role, it can be 
you know, <clears throat> it can be pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, there's scotch in my drink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> how you feel about that moment? Well, you know how I feel about scotch. Uh, I'm well, I'm working read, on it. I'm working on it. I read some. I read some. Um, uh, I read some uh, posts about this drink because there's a lot of debate about what the proper ratios for a blood and sand are. Mm-hmm. And I read like a like a long blog post about how there should be way more scotch in the in the drink and. I was like, and and the reasoning was, if you do it in the traditional one-to-one-to-one-to-one way, the scotch is undetectable. And I was like, Bowman is going to love this undetectable scotch drink. No, you've you've done me a huge favor here. I mean, I can't really taste the... Yeah, I was assuming that the three Jolly Ranchers you dissolved into it would (laughs) (laughs) get in the way. It's so true. It's so true. It's, it's, uh, It's more sweet than anything i guess it's got a tiny bite to it but not much Hmm. well um do you want to tell us about getting organized yeah uh (laughs) basically i'm i'm here to tell you about the secrets of uh the the hidden secret of calendars and uh that hidden secret is uh uh just to use one actually using (laughs) yep that's it that's uh that's what i've been doing Uh, i mean for maybe the first time in my life i've been busy enough that i Cannot. I mean, I should should never have trusted my memory, but uh, I especially can't trust it <laughs> yeah. now. And uh, so I've been using a calendar, and goddamn, uh, things are all streamlined. You guys, it's, it's unbelievable. A, it's kind of amazing. I, you know, uh, I use a calendar pretty heavily, and I have it set up so that it'll like synchronize from my phone and my iPad and my computer. So yeah, whatever thing I have, I can look at and see mm-hmm. what's going on. And I think that uh, the better system is the system I saw Joan Rivers using in in the documentary about her, which is just have a book where you write it down <laughs> and always have the book with you. That's uh, that's I'm using a calendar on my fridge, and it's uh, it's, it's never it never runs out of battery. Yeah. Uh, well, the it's trouble is that there. The, the fridge isn't in the cloud, so if you're like out somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. I mean, it's this not is not there true. yet, but when they build that fridge, though, yeah, oh, man, <laughs> it's going to revolutionize the fridge game. Yeah, I always like any period of my life when I responsibly use Google Calendar uh-huh. is just so much better, right? And then I'll stop, and then my life will fall apart. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is it. Like, I have not. I really am at the beginning stages of using a calendar because I haven't made the transfer. Like, I, I think I will always have a hard copy and then transfer it to you know, some sort of digital realm. Yeah. But well, uh, you're, you're a man of your era, Chris. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, uh, uh, paper and pen, you know? Yeah. You're, you're a big believer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've rejected it in favor of the, uh, the vagaries of the digital world. And it's, it's been mostly to my peril. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of gray hair happening because of it. Yeah. I just last week ran my iPhone through the washer <laughs> no for no. 10 minutes <laughs> oh, no. it was horrible i'm like staying at this airbnb i realized it and then i went down and it was a front-loading washer oh. and i was like i oh, can't no. open this thing oh yeah it locks so like i unplugged it and finally eventually it opened up and then 
I was horrified and like everything is lost. I haven't backed this thing up for the past six months. Uh, and then I put it. Yeah, in. but that gives you a great opportunity to anytime you receive a text, say new phone, who dis? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story Which is. Which I'm always looking for. I'm way too well backed up to ever have that. Really? Are you very yeah. disciplined about I'm, that? I'm backing up all the time. Um, that's horrible. I hate people like you, <laughs> but rice fixed it. I did rice and it oh, fixed nice. it. No way. Yeah. That, Rice will, rice will do it, uh, you know, half did of I, the time, I would say. Uh, I ran my did, headphones through the wash, uh, and they still worked just fine. D- just fine. They never sound as good. Yeah, no, yeah. But I only uh, listen to, like, podcasts, so yeah. it's like... <laughs> uh, how good did does I, uh, Oliver Wang need to sound on the Pop Rocket <laughs> podcast? Yeah. Uh, did uh, I tell Oliver you about has it? a low, deep voice. He's magnificent. I actually talked... I had uh, the privilege of talking to Oliver Wang on the telephone recently, and uh, it, it works... Even on the phone. <laughs> um, we should talk about your podcast, too. Let's that's do it, a, yeah. That's a... I mean, we're a, a little... Uh, we'll be releasing this after the Max Fun Drive has ended, and we don't actually have the results in, but uh, it seems like it's going very well. Crushing and, it, and yeah. that show is, is killer. Thanks. Well, uh, my podcast gives me great sympathy to Chris right now because I, while I'm in New York... I'm having to do my podcast from afar. Right. Yeah. And yeah. is it normally a group in a room? Yeah. And it's wonderful because we are very chatty and talky, especially uh, the the podcast is hosted by me, Winter Mitchell, who is a digital strategist, and neither of us are responsible journalists. <laughs> so we just talk a lot about how much we love or hate stuff. And then it's Margaret Wappler, who is a respected journalist, and Oliver, who is a sociology professor and respected journalist. Right. And they've gotten shovey and interrupty <laughs> in response to us. But, like, it's great. I, like, I... I did Max Fun, uh, or, or I, I did Boat Party, which is Maximum Fun's uh, like trip on a boat to the Bahamas. <laughs> and then Jesse afterwards was like, "Hey, let's let's work on something." And I, like, I didn't know what it was gonna be, and I I didn't know those guys. And then Winner's like a friend of a friend, but and Oliver and I were totally at Berkeley together, but uh, like didn't know each other because it's Berkeley. Yeah, um, it's huge. But like, I'm now at a point where just every week I'm like, "Oh God, what is." Like, what is Margaret going to think of this? What is Oliver going to think of Kimmy Schmidt? And it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, you, is this, so this past uh, episode was your first away or is it, or you've been doing a couple now? We've done a oh, like, couple. I think we've okay. done three because like there was one where I was too loud, one where I was too quiet, and then one that we figured out. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it did sound like you were away from them this, uh, I listened to the most recent episode and um, uh, yeah, it sounded like... Uh, you're away and now that makes sense but you are it's only it's temporary the move is temporary is what you're saying yeah just for five months and it's really funny because the first time we did it doing the podcast felt really awkward the sort of like getting in and being able to sort of like slide your comment in or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. felt really awkward the the time that we did it that i just did not have my mouth in front of the microphone like it felt really (laughs) smooth while we were doing it yeah and then i listened to it and i was like oh that sucks (laughs) but this time i think we like Got it all smoothed out. Well, Chris and I can both sympathize with how fucking hard it is to figure out how to how to set up uh, audio stuff. Yeah. How frequently do you guys have Canadian guests? Uh, I would say maybe forty percent of the time over the yeah. history of the show. We've been doing a lot on my side uh, lately, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I mean we've had plenty of guests up in Canada and and. Uh, it's yeah it's it's always weird when you're the when you're the odd man out like yeah. to, to it's a completely like, different dynamic it's completely different like i mean 
yeah, t the energy is different. I mean, we used to do video over over this, uh, but we've since stopped. So now I'm actually literally just sitting in a uh, a tiny little booth and Talking staring at my to computer. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hoping my um, neighbors can hear every word, you know. Well, guy, what is uh, what is uh, moving to New York like for an, a native California and Angelino? Uh, I'm, I'm by 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 choice. I, I had to live here for all of 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, and I say I had to live here because <laughs> it did kind of feel like that. Like, part of it is just, uh, you know, I'm from Northern California. I've lived in LA for like 10 years now. I uh, grew up in Oakland myself. Oh, really? But I think you're from kind of more rural Northern California. Yeah. No. I'm from like an hour north of Sacramento. But gotcha. are you from Oakland proper? Are you from Oakland the hills? proper, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the hills. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, Diamond was the neighborhood that I grew up in, and my parents live in Rockridge now. Uh, I lived in Rockridge. Rockridge was my BART station. Nice. Like, for, like, my first three <laughs> years of stand-up. That was my <laughs> high school BART station. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I believe that the Diamond was in... Um, I was, for two weeks, the campaign manager of Gene Kwan. The oh, wow. Failed now mayor. Failed, failed failed mayor of Oakland. But she was a city council. She, it was her first run for city council. And wow. so I learned a lot about the city before I realized this lady's crazy and I don't want to work for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, coming here you is... Could have, you could have saved us so much grief by just telling people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, like, it was very hard for me that year. That year was, like, really rough. And yeah. um, the past couple of weeks... It was an especially wretched winter, I think. It was a, like the weather was hard. I just wasn't used to it. I'm a Californian. Mm -hmm. Like just having a sense of space here, like I'm gigantic and I just always felt in the way and I felt cramped and awkward having to have a roommate, like money just pours through your fingers here. Yeah. You, hmm. you put 20 bucks in your pocket and you walk out the door and it's gone before you <laughs> know what happened. <laughs> but more than anything, it was sort of like when you go to another major city, there's a stand-up world in life for you. Yeah. I've never been to Toronto, but if I went to Toronto, I would run into people that I knew yeah. and have things to do. Mm -hmm. But like the rest of your life isn't yeah. really there. And the last time I lived here, I, I was never able to sort of like put that together. Hmm. And this time it's better, but it's more, more than anything else. I don't know if either of you guys like have like dealt with depression in your lives i mean you live mm -hmm. in brooklyn so i assume yes oh, i i actually <laughs> uh, i i uh mostly squashed my depression demons before i left california but <laughs> i uh, i did i did do battle um and i i would Most say definitely. that i i do battle somewhat on a on a daily basis to keep from having to reignite the war yeah um yeah but yeah, like the the seasons uh, for those unused to them can can really great. I think I, I w I've just been in, intimidated by will it come back? Will it be bad? Yeah, mm -hmm. Chris. Uh, depression was it was outlawed by the liberals in the mid '60s, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it doesn't happen here anymore. I mean, uh, and if it does, no one talks about it. Now, <laughs> so. now is that piece of trivia number one or? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely something that does um, like seasonal affective disorder is no joke. I mean, the older I get, the worse the end of the winter is. You know, like it just. Uh, yeah. and I, I think it's true. Like the winters are getting worse here. Like they're just getting <laughs> yeah. colder longer. So climate seems to be like, uh, changing somewhat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I read something about it somewhere, but, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly a tough, a tough grind. 
Yeah, by the time you're done with your stint in New York, California's just going to be Mad Max Wasteland, guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, A, last time I, I lived here, it was from January until December, and I went back in January. Wow. And it was like glorious like yeah. i spent a month just being happy just yeah. being nothing but happy and it was kind of worth it yeah but yeah like um up where my parents are from because my parents live on an almond farm and everyone is now talking mad shit about the almond crop because it uses up so much of california's water wow yeah um it's a lot of there's a lot of politics yeah hmm. the water politics i mean um i drove back and forth from the bay area to seattle pretty much all summer and and all winter and uh like lake shasta is like it's un- nothing fucking yeah real it's like there's no lake there yeah and uh yeah anyway uh, guy what what brings you to new york this time i'm writing for billy on the streets oh very yeah funny show great yeah. it's a great show it's uh, the rare pleasure of working on a show i find funny yeah. yeah well and you also came for like the good stretch of weather here yeah um that's what they tell me <laughs> that <laughs> mean the spring is the best yeah, I'm spring and the fall are New York's yeah. best seasons by far. I like the, the when I was here for totally biased, um, I sort of missed the month of March, and so <laughs> that year it was like springy. This year, not so much. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I was sort of confounded by how, like I came back in April and I was like, all right, springtime. So <laughs> I brought a shit. I brought a shit ton of shorts and a lot of sort of like cute summer shoes. And then it rained on me constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rain's a different beast. Well, does the uh, do, do you think the Algonquin cocktail pairs with your move? I do. I think that it's got a lot of complex notes, but it is fundamentally, and I, honestly, this is a very well mixed cocktail. Oh, thank you. Um, but it is like subtle and ch- sweet and charming in a very nice way, but complex. Yeah. Uh, I, you want to trade sips? Yes, please. Trade sips with your buddy Ben. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, pretty sure your name is Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Last I checked. Cheers. Oh, that is really nice. Yeah, I'm not. Um, rye is definitely not like my go-to spirit either. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that might be my favorite rye cocktail I've ever tried. That's a beautiful cocktail. It's yeah. like smoky and hot in a very nice way. Yeah. What is that? Uh, what, are, what are we calling that one? Ready, fire, aim. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, like mezcal, not not necessarily a great cocktail spirit, but in this instance, doing uh, doing awesome work. Uh, I want. I, I want. I wonder if like rye, scotch, and mezcal. Like if you like those three, like you're a, you're a definite drinker. You know, <laughs> like you're a definite drinker. <laughs> like I can, I don't feel like I can call myself much of a, a cocktail enthusiast if I don't like scotch, uh, rye, or mezcal like those are always challenging for me you know <laughs> really rye yeah i'm not a huge rye fan i, I mean I'm, I'm a, that's all but i like i know there. <laughs> i know but i like bourbon bourbon is like of the whiskeys that's that's where i uh that's where the flavor town is for me you know mm-hmm. kentucky bourbon is sweet and delightful but rye gives it it starts out from that sweet delightful place and gives it just a little bit of attitude not nearly <laughs> it's as true much. no it's, it's polite attitude you're right it's polite attitude yeah. canadian style <laughs> um can you describe can you describe your cocktail for us the notes it's um gone um i mean the, the, <laughs> well, the uh, that's pretty good the uh i don't know man i can't say that i love this drink um it's um 
I'm so surprised that something called a blood and sand was a rough drink. I know, I know. It actually, yeah, it's, uh, oh man, I don't want to say it, but it's like, it got these like little vomi notes to them. Wow. To it, you know? Yeah, it's not Vom- like. What do you mean? Like, it's like, it's this flavor of like, I don't know, kind of barfy. Was your, was your orange off? No. Fresh wow. is, fresh is, uh, it's a tree ripe orange. You know, our blood orange is up here. Wow. It's a blood orange season. Well, I'm sorry you had a vomit drink, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's like the, the well, least, least tasteful to way to describe it. But yeah, it was, it was very yeah. well organized. I'll say that, Ben. You put a, you put this on your calendar and you put a, you know, you, you put, you celebrate this day every year. The, the time <laughs> your friend Ben made you drink a vomit drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of organized, uh, ready, fire, aim. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with uh, with Guy. This is a great cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. The honey honey pineapple syrup that you uh, you put in this, I took kind of a shortcut on because I uh, didn't have uh, the. We'll we'll post the recipe, but uh, they recommend like soaking mashed up pineapple in honey syrup overnight with cherries, and then like straining it, and mm-hmm. that was. More than I can, more than I could handle uh, on short notice. So I that just, was, I just made honey syrup and put a little bit of pineapple juice and like shook it with with crushed up uh, uh, pink peppercorns. Uh, right. So um, the, the proper way sounds like it's a definitely a whole other layer of uh, like yeah, flavor. Yeah, I though. think you would probably get more of the pepper. To be honest, mm-hmm. like I think it, I think this, is, it's kind of a spicy drink. But I think it could be spicier, maybe. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's so beautiful, like, like it is. Yeah, I think it's 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 probably better balanced than the recipe, uh, the way I made it. Hmm. I, I could be wrong. I ghost wrote a business book for a man on Bravo. It <laughs> was originally called Ready Fire Aim. Wow! No way. Yes. Then they changed the title, which means I'm not violating my confidentiality agreement. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I think this. I think people are gonna like this cocktail. This, this is a cocktail that makes me really wish we had a rating system on this podcast. Well, we have talked about it. Yeah, something, something we'll, we'll come back to. Um, but talk, yeah, talk about the uh, crushing that to do list. Well, I got back from my long, long trip on the West Coast. I was gone for most of the last forty-five days, and uh, you know there was just a ton of shit like left standing in New York that I hadn't gotten done. And mm-hmm. I was, I was like, I was talking mad shit on the plane back. I was like, I'm going to take five days off. I'm going to, I'm going to really luxuriate in the fact that I don't have any pressing business when I get back to New York. And I woke up like the first morning back and I started working on my taxes. I organized all my receipts from my shoot and like, and like worked on my expenses I sorted all this mail that I'd gotten. I did like grocery shopping for the week. I ordered blinds for our windows, which has been like uh, an item that's been on my to-do list for months. And it it suddenly my... occurs to me, me saying that I'm getting organized is a fucking joke compared to <laughs> what you're talking about. It was crazy though. I just like built up this head of steam. Like I like like the blinds thing is something that I've literally like woken up and been like, Man, I should probably do blinds today, and not done it for like like 90 <laughs> to 175 days and 
when you get steam on that to-do list, yeah, you, you fucking just start yeah. crushing that shit. Yeah, and then yeah. it ground to a fucking halt because <laughs> I, one of the pieces of mail that SVU I organized marathon. Was, uh, was my new health insurance card. And I popped it out and it was like, you know what? While I've got this crazy head of steam, I'm going to set up a checkup because I haven't seen a doctor not in an emergency situation in mm-hmm. like 12 years. And now I have Obamacare and I'm like, fuck go just see a doctor and see if they have any like advice for me or something. Mm-hmm. And I call up to make the appointment and they're like, Oh yeah, your, uh, your insurance is, is not active. So, uh, <laughs> you have to call your insurance company. And I called my insurance company and somehow they've been charging me for insurance for the last three months and no. not insuring me. What? So- <laughs> well, luckily, uh, insurance companies are very generally small and efficient. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's... Just give them a call. Just call. You'll get you'll get somebody on the phone yeah. right away. I'm sure. And that that really like it, like that little realization, like fucking fully took the wind out of my sails. Oh shit! That's all it takes. But I mean, luckily, it came sort of towards the end of your list, or you know, yeah. at some point where you've yeah. Tackled if a bunch. I had done that like at 10 a.m. instead of 4 p.m. like different story on yesterday <laughs> man you know like okay so we don't have a perfect system up here but every time i hear you talk about health insurance ben it makes me so fucking sad it really does it makes me fucking sad like as you know uh my father recently had hip replacement surgery and i thought about it like how uh i don't know it's, it seems so shitty to talk about because it's like i was in the hospital and just like that is not even on your mind, right? Like right. he's in like a specialist clinic and it, it's just not something you think about. And, and you're not thinking about like, who's going to pay for this? Who no. do I have to call? Who do I have no. to go to war with? And I mean, you, you know, you get people complaining about healthcare up here sometimes, like whatever, it's not what it used to be. And it's, you know, that aside, like it, it's something that it's a luxury that we're afforded here. And I, it makes me sad for all of my, well, everybody in America, but I mean, my American friends who have to deal with fucking health insurance. It's such yeah. a nightmare. So why are you trying as hard as you can to move here again? <sighs> well, because uh, <laughs> I can always come back, you know? But, That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's sad when famous people have to go back to Canada. Um, <laughs> I have two questions for you. The first one is, I was watching, I was in Vancouver watching that TV show about the doctor from the 1800s who solves crimes. Do you know what show I'm talking about? Oh my god, it's uh, uh oh, is that fuck. forever? No, it's called no. like whatever his last name is, like McClintock or something oh. like that. This is a Canadian show, not yes. A, not no, a... it's horrible. Okay, the like the wonderful thing about watching Canadian television is like you're like, <laughs> oh, everybody who knows how to do their jobs is working on a Law and Order that shoots in Toronto <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. or Vancouver. Yeah. But um, there were ads for medical insurance. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. You were watching it. What do you mean, like medical insurance in for Can for Canadians? It was for Canadian medical insurance. Um, that's a good question, guy. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never that's, seen it. Is commercial. that question number two? Or? That's yeah. why, Chris. You're, you're. I, I don't. I don't. Tr- I don't trust you now. Um, because I don't know anything about Canada. No, it's. Uh, you're. You have every right not to trust me. No. My second thing is just. Finishing your taxes. I love doing my taxes. It's like a role-playing game to me. Oh. Like, it's just, it's focused math. This is a thought technology that I need to get down with because I fucking hate it. And oh, I'm no, three years it's behind. Just, it's so, it's like, I just love doing it. I feel like I've gotten something done yeah. and they always owe me money. I like, never owe me money. I always owe them lots of money. Oh, because uh, you're, are you self-employed? I'm self-employed and uh, I'm all 1099s. Uh, oh, yeah. That I, sucks. 
I actually uh, spent some of the day talking to this new accountant. Um, our friends used to live in New York, and they moved to Massachusetts, and they recommended this accountant. And uh, I called them up, and I was like, hey, yeah, I just wanted to know like what I need to send you to get started. And he says, uh, what, do you live in Massachusetts now? And I said, no, uh, that's my friends that recommended you. Uh, I live in Brooklyn. And he's like, you live in Brooklyn now. Great. <laughs> I was like, I didn't move here. Like, what are you talking about? But he's just like salty old New York guy that, uh, that you know, he was like, oh, now the story changes. You're in Brooklyn. <laughs> and and, uh, and then uh, he, he uh, wheedled out of me that I uh, work in film and... Uh, launched into his list of credits as an extra. Oh, amazing. that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And he told me about some movie that he was in last year. And he recognized the beret on the woman that had been standing just to his right. And the camera pans and cuts. <laughs> and he's not in the shot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, oh man. Amazing. Don the accountant. I wish I could get this guy on the show. Brooklyn is so full of like... Like all of all of the terrible you and Rachel's are moving in, but there are yeah. still those wonderful Polish people who mm. just don't realize that it's the twenty first century. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that that stuff. Like when you meet those people who are like in two worlds, it so confronts you with what's charming about the past and also what's fucking frightening about the past. Like. I stopped in front of a like a barbershop window that it was just dusty and like there was no barbershop active in there with a friend of mine. It was like prime Williamsburg and we were just looking at this thing like what the fuck is going on where <laughs> this isn't being rented out and there are guys like with waxed mustaches in there cutting people's hair for $45 a, cu a cut <laughs> and... And this guy, this like old guy, like sidles up to us and he's like, uh, "You got some interest in the building here?" And we're like, "No, we're just kind of like wondering, like, why nobody's renting it out." And he's like, "Well, it's my building," and he launches into like how Williamsburg used to be so great, and now <laughs> a lot of undesirable types are coming in. And he says, "You know, like the mafia used to have this place pretty clean. Like if uh, you know an undesirable type." showed up you you know they would be in a vacant lot the next week and oh, we were like what, what? that's what? so funny <laughs> yeah that's amazing I, so like i came to williamsburg um to visit my my best friend from college like 10 years ago and there were still like i went to this cannoli shop at like 10 in the morning <laughs> sure you did and these like the mob like mobsters had like a a, a daily meeting like <laughs> there were just these guys and they like you know it was fascinating. <laughs> this one guy came in with his like son who was like six who like talked mad shit at the ladies for not having the right kind of gelato, but like pronounced gelato perfectly. Gelato. But, and he was like, he was teaching his kid to be like a pushy asshole. And it was fascinating. And then he like took the kid away. And then he like met with these other two guys. And then the police came and they like separated. And it was fascinating. Wow. But one time. I don't know those guys. I've never met them in my life. Uh, I came here in October of two thousand <laughs> October of two thousand one and I was taking the A train down and I was gonna get off at that mall, that one mall. Except <laughs> I forgot that that one mall had been destroyed in a national tragedy. <laughs> um, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> and so I just kept on the A train because also there were these two boys who were like there were these two Orthodox boys who were up to something and I couldn't, I just wanted to watch them. Point is <laughs> I made it all the way out to Brighton beach and like so fascinating to see 
just how like Russian Ukrainian that space was. Yeah. Like little Caucasian children peeing on the street, which I'd never wow. seen. It was wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That is some shit. <laughs> I almost expect like it's like a scene from the Warriors. <laughs> Warriors come, come out, out and, and pee. Play. <laughs> but Chris, I wanted to ask you, how hard are taxes? How annoying are taxes in Canada? Well, my oh, taxes are never question. very difficult. Mine are like pretty basic, but uh, I mean, it's um, yeah, I think it's fairly straightforward. Um, uh, like it was one thing I actually learned when I was in the UK. Like they they're all done automatically. Like over in North America, we have to do them ourselves and send them in. But I think like unless you're self-employed in the UK, you like it's done automatically and it just a check shows up in the mail if they wow. owe you money. Um, yeah, but it's it's I think it's similar to America. Uh, here, um, yeah, I would, just... I would, I would be totally fine with my taxes costing ten percent more than they do, if I didn't have to think about it. <laughs> totally, I would, I would, li- I would part with like five thousand extra dollars a year if, if it was just automatic, something I never had to think about. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Benjamin. Do we have a listener request this week? We do. Well, let's hear it. Hey, guys, this is Scott. Uh, I'm going back to school next semester to help me get out of the liquor business. Could I get a drink for that? That'd be awesome. Thanks. I think we've heard from Scott before. I think we have heard from Scott before. I think he he needed one to celebrate leaving the liquor business, and now he's like, you know, building the raft. Uh, That's pretty good. is Is it the same? Is that the same guy? Uh, I think his. I mean, I if think it's we, not, then I apologize. But uh, yeah, and if it is, we've given him a drink for getting into uh, or getting out of it. But anyway, let's let's just do it again. <laughs> let's just do it again. Yeah, um, Scott. You know, since one does not simply leave the alcohol business, uh, you're going to be drinking something called the Brotherhood. Um, it is an ounce and a half of Michael Collins. Well, let's just say it's an ounce and a half of uh, Irish whiskey, three quarter ounces of Grand Marnier three-quarter ounces of Benedictine, and three-quarter ounces of fresh lemon juice. Uh, you're going to shake and strain into a, coupe, a chilled coupe glass uh, and twist a piece of lemon peel over the top and drop into the drink. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So uh, make it and uh, photograph it and or yeah. give us a little review. Let us Benedictine know Benedictine is really on point for, uh, for going back into, <laughs> like, study. I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you hit the books, just just have a just have a fucking bottle of Benedictine and a glass right in, <laughs> yeah. right in front of you. Just having, I just like a Benedictine up, please. <laughs> I'm a I'm a sure. sick monk in the 15th century. <laughs> Three fingers of Benedictine, no ice. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's really the answer to why almost all booze is really gross. Is that it was just monks making it forever. <laughs> and like, what do they know? They're not fucking gastronomes. Please. They were the only people with real time on their hands. That's true. They were awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Guy, uh, how do people find you on Twitter? Okay, are we getting ready to be done? We're getting getting ready to wrap it up. Chris has to ask me the questions. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's do that. Okay, fine. Let me see. Let me off the top of my head. Uh, Who was Canada's first Francophone uh, prime minister? Oh, um, the first Francophone prime minister was Wilfrid Laurier. Um, who, Laurier? Uh, he was called Laurier by everyone in the British press. <laughs> uh, so, okay, then. Boom. Yes. Boom. <laughs> um, and that was like 
it, it included uh, Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. So uh, from like, I guess, late 1890s until the 19 teens. That's pretty impressive. Okay. So that's one. Okay. Okay. That's okay, one. one uh, um, well, that's that one's, uh, let's see. Um, in the 19th century, some inhabitants of what is now Quebec rebelled against the colonial government of the time. Who is the leader of that rebellion? Oh, uh, it begins with a P. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, yeah. So there were um, the, the Red River Rebellion was in Ontario, and then God, what was his name? His name was George. His, was his first name George? Uh, no. No. Oh fuck. <gasps> uh, oh, what, what? It wasn't. Guys digging deep. Oh, I don't know. What is it? Uh, Louis Joseph Papineau. Papineau, Papineau. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. He fled down to America. All right. Keep... I think the P gives you half a point there. No. Yeah, it really I don't does. Need your half a point. Uh, <laughs> I don't need your half a point. <laughs> Stuff the half a point. Uh, what Canadian city was severely damaged by a massive explosion in its harbor in 1917? Halifax. Yep. Bam. Wow. Uh, which province was the last one to join Canada? Uh, Newfoundland. Jesus H. Christ, guy, you are wow. fucking impressive, man. Hey, it was it was Saint Laurent's uh, Alaska. Um, he, we don't realize it. Newfoundland was still part of England until 1949. It's wow. yeah, they, yeah, definitely. It was like super recent. <laughs> uh, let me see. Let so me got see. One last question. Two uh, more. No, I got oh, two more. No, no, no. Only one more. I'm sorry. Okay. In what year were all Canadian women eligible to vote in federal elections? Oh, damn. All right. So let's talk through this, okay? All right. You so, talk me through it because I know the answer. <laughs> okay. So the famous four demanded that they be allowed to be senators in like the 1920s, around 1920. That's when all of this stuff was happening. Yeah. Um, but it's the first federal election. Um, oh, God. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I'll read the question again. Uh, in what year were all the Cana uh, were all Canadian women eligible to vote in federal elections? Oh, is this a trick question? No, I don't. Well, I mean, fuck. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like one. <laughs> I mean, oh god. But there, I think there's maybe something with Quebec giving them the vote later. Um, I'm gonna. I want to say 29. When is it? 21. Fuck no! Wow. You're on the right, right head of fucking us. path. So, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, well, you, you got three out of five, man. That's I know. Here, here, here's a, those here's are hard a, questions. Here's right. a gimme. Let's see if Ben knows this one. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the Métis leader who was hanged by the federal government in 1885? I don't know what that is. He's an American. He doesn't know what a Métis is. He doesn't know about. Um, well, that's the Red River Rebellion. I was talking about the thing that um, the thing that happened in Ontario before. That was the one that uh, William Lyon did. That was the something. There was a, a different River Rebellion. So there was this guy Ben. There mm -hmm. was this, there were like all of these like part Native American, part mostly French guys who were living in Manitoba. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they were kind of like they they were like a much more integrative colonial power, right? Yeah, those well the French barely brought over ladies, so they fucked Native American ladies a lot. Oh. Um so <laughs> good thinking. Their leader was named <laughs> Louis Riel. There he and, is. Yep, and Louis Riel like they tried to build this road 
And it was only like white English speakers who were getting to build the road. And Louis Riel was like, you need to leave. And then they didn't <laughs> leave. And so they killed one of the dudes. And then everyone in English speaking Canada got all upset and were like, kill that guy. And everyone Dang. in French speaking Canada were like, they're trying to kill someone who speaks French. We probably like him. Yep. <laughs> and then shit went down. And then Manitoba was born. There wow. is a really, really good graphic novel about, it's called Louis Riel. That is sitting on my bed right now. Yeah, Chester Brown, <laughs> fucking Toron Toronto. Uh, artist Chester Brown, yeah, wow. great. Also wrote also wrote a book uh, called Paying for It about his year of um, paying for sex. Really interesting, also. Oh, I heard that awesome. was really good. Um, one last question. Well, let's end on a fucking downer. Uh, right. What is the name <laughs> of the native people who uh, or native people of Newfoundland who were hunted to extinction by Europeans? Ooh. Oh fuck! I I don't know. The Beotux. Oh, that's terrible. Oh. Yep. Terrible. <laughs> Even worse, um, you didn't know it. But that is impressive, Guy, how did guy. you come by all of your Canada knowledge? Well, um, I'm obsessed with Canada. It is a fascinating place. They have to... They have to live with us and England, always telling them that they're not really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, you they, know. They've incorporated no, that's cool, man. It's cool. We don't like, mind. I'm, it's all I'm right. I like, come on, guys. Just be be super confident in yourself and it's like very <laughs> internalized up there but that's the thing is that like the the lack of confidence and the lack of ability to say yeah oh we matter we matter but there's they're they're just so fascinatingly subversive and like their internal like like low self-esteem and the way that it plays out in the like english uh french thing and the yeah. east west thing Are you guys talking uh, about me what? <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's fascinating. Also, it's just easy to learn. There's so much less of it than yeah, our Yeah, there's country. so much less of it. It is. It's, just, it's crazy how little history there is here <laughs> and how little of it I know. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. That was magical. <laughs> Thank you, guy. Guy, how do people find you on Twitter? I'm at Guy Branham on Twitter. And Ben and Chris, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I have an album coming out. Uh, yeah. Do? How do people find it? Uh, it is on, on Amazon and iTunes. It should be available for pre-order on iTunes by the time you put this up. Yeah. Uh, and it's called Effable. And we've never done this on the show, but uh, you know, we've got a few shows in the bank right now. Which, should we release this like right before your album comes out? Or that would be lovely. To release it like when the album is out so people can go and convert right there? Either of those would be beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll do it. Um, so uh, 4.14, am I right? 4.14, yep. Okay. So uh, depending on when we uh, we release this, it's either in two days or it's been out for a while <laughs> and you're fucking sleeping. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm really, really excited about it, and uh, I will definitely be purchasing a copy when it comes available. Thank you so much. Um, so, also, don't uh, forget about don't forget about Pop Rocket, excellent yeah. culture podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. I, I host a, a podcast called Pop Rocket, and it is very good. And we talk about pop culture things. It is very good. And uh, I pimped a Canadian politics podcast one time. <laughs> so you're welcome, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, good times. Good times all around. Um, you can follow our show on Twitter at Drink About It, and you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris B Chicken. And Benjamin at Benjamin R A H R. And you can go to our website, let's drink it, where you can find the recipes from today's show and all of the shows we've ever done. And uh, 
we will be uh, oh and we should thank uh, Graham Walsh and Paul Watling for thank you fellas the music and art and uh, we'll be back at you next week with more live events and more drinks that go perfectly with them don't choke on your rum and coke I like when you really deliver that, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's great.